0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and on my right-hand side is my right-hand man, Gabriel. Hello! And today on Rock Rock Podcast, we have Seething Akira. So Seething Akira, they have a new album called Dysfunctional Wonderland, out on September 3rd. And right now, I'm being joined by Kit to share some more information about a plethora of songs that are available, music videos, uh, the album. I also have uh, this episode should air reasonably in time for what i see as tour dates in september i'm still a little uneasy chatting about tour dates because the world's still kind of upside down but we'll chat about it anyway kit if it if it makes sense and of course yep sweet okay well welcome to
1: the show well thank you very much for having me it's a it's a pleasure to be here beautiful
0: well thank you sir now, something we had started chatting about in the uh, just before we kind of hit record was, because uh, I may or may have not have actually hit record, but before we started the show, was the number one track on Spotify is Smile Thief, and you said you were surprised by that. So my first question is, why are you surprised by that?
1: I suppose it's always it always comes down to personal preference. Everyone's got their favorites. Uh, I, I really like the song, otherwise we wouldn't have put it out, but I suppose in my head I saw other songs performing better. But I suppose what Smile Thief does is it's, it's probably the one that closely, more closely ties into our previous album and leads into the sort of heavier direction that we've started going into. So I so was surprised just from my own personal preference. But when I think about it logically, it does kind of make sense that it's worked that way. But yeah, absolutely banging. I couldn't, couldn't believe seeing how well it's doing daily as well. It's overtaken everything very rapidly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's that like? I mean, I don't know. I guess emotionally, keeping your head straight, whatever else. When I mean, you're surprised by it, which I guess is a good thing, right? So, how do you, how did you, how do you handle that?
1: I just, uh, I suppose, I just just do. There's, there's not really a way of, of uh, I don't really sort of think about it in a particular way. I mean, it's only ever happiness. So when when stuff does do well, I think, well, great, that that's working. People are liking it. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. So yeah, think,
1: stay, stay pretty level headed.
0: Yeah, seems so who knows, man, next year I'll have you on and you'll just be this big ego and, uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> bottle of JD in my hands. Like, yeah,
0: exactly. Well, of course it was number one. I'm number one. Number ones make number ones, you know, It's just something like that.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Clicking that, fingers.
0: Yeah. Well, best song I've ever written. Yeah. It makes sense. Doesn't it make sense <laughs> to you? Um, <laughs> uh album breadcrumbs that's what i called it album breadcrumbs so smile thief is what i would consider like a breadcrumb from the previous album um oh, yeah is that like intentional was it one that was actually written for the previous album were you guys thinking when crafting dysfunctional wonderland to make it a step forward but still have some of the old with the new
1: exactly that so we, we didn't want to go so far away from what we were known for that people listen to this album and think it's almost like a completely different band but it's it's always been quite funny because the six of us have always listened to very heavy music well from from sort of heavy punk all the way through to i love a bit of black metal myself and everything few and far in between and it was quite weird how we were always writing music that never it always had a, a dabble of influence from that but it never really committed to to the kind of music that we listened to and when we got John on board, our our second guitarist, he is he's a chuggernaut, he's an absolute chug machine. So uh he brought the heavy and him and him and Charlie Cy as well con- con- contributes Sai's in another metal band that he does a lot of writing for as well. Uh and just the, the three of them from, from the back from almost from like the the background were just creating some absolute bangers. So I think Charlie Charlie as you know does all the electronic side of things so his, his influence was Always taking these stems and almost Frankensteining them up to make a monster, and uh, yeah, it's just just been a great. book. like I like was we saying, like we wanted to, we didn't want to just go right ten brand new heavy songs. We wanted to still make sure that the identity of the electronic side of us was still there, mm-hmm. and that's that's essentially why why Small Thief was was as it was. I think actually, from a writing perspective, it was probably one of the last ones out of the ten that was written.
0: Okay. So you guys sat down intentionally to write this record. How did that go over the last, I don't know, couple of years? Did it cha- did you guys' writing change? I mean, aside from the new member, was a lot of this done during the pandemic, or was it before the pandemic?
1: So the actual album was written and recorded by, we recorded January 2020. So just before things were really kicking off in the UK, I think it was sort of, Late March, that sort of lockdowns really started happening and restrictions were put in place. So we've always written pretty remotely. I mean, we do get together. We do write a lot, whether it's just Charlie and John or just the boys or all six of us. But the majority of the writing tends to be as all, always been done from a remote aspect because mm-hmm. it tends to always piggyback either from a riff that John's written that's sent to Charlie for electronics or vice versa. So yeah. yeah, overall, it's always, always been fairly remote. So it's like, we're ahead of the curve on that one. <laughs> um.
0: That's right, baby. Now Something you brought up that I think is interesting <laughs> is, you know, you've got these influences, but you, you're writing something else almost, um, what's that like to have these influences and to walk into a writing session saying, this is what I want it to sound like. And it's almost like the song takes on a life of its own and becomes something else. And obviously you're okay with it. Um, but to kind of just almost have that gnawing thing at the back of your head, like, man, we walked in <laughs> wanting to do something else.
1: <laughs> oh, that, that happens so, so frequently. And it can literally just be a case of someone's thought of a new riff to a particular electronic part. And then it's like, all oh, that, that whole song now feels like it's changed. Right. But, I suppose it's not like we all only listen to metal. Like I grew up on things like Limp Bizkit, the new metal wave, and that got me heavily into old school hip hop. And even I follow hip hop and rap now. Uh, Charlie actually almost did the polar opposite. So he started musically writing hip hop uh, instrumentals, found heavy. He was kind of into grunge as well. I know he's a big fan of Nirvana and that, that scene. But from his personal perspective, he always preferred writing hip hop. But then, as the years went on, he wanted to bring it into more of a live scene, and then the the metal you could almost say just naturally followed us. So I had it from a past. Charlie had it from new findings, and then the new members were were always either in or been around other metal bands as well. Mm-hmm. I know Stu drummed for a new metal band before he joined us. So it's always there's always had these these quite odd mix matches. So we've always had metal in common, but it's more like well, someone's into metal and drum and bass and someone's into metal and rap and someone's into more punk but likes a bit of metal so it's all these weird concoctions that kind of went into making the music and that's naturally how sleepy skeletal came around i think this time it's just with with the addition of john and and knowing how he can bring the heavy it was uh it was just the right opportunity and i think that it was something that we've always wanted to do. We wanted to have bigger sounding guitars. We wanted to be the metal bit to be a bit more prominent in that. We wanted to come across as a band. If that made sense, we didn't want mm-hmm. to just want to be an electronic sort of dance group that happened to do some live shows. It was more okay. <laughs> so if we wanted that, we wanted to actually like, we well, are a band. Let's show people that we're a band. So we yeah. just bought it a bit heavier. Okay.
0: So going like the Backstreet Boys route, that wasn't really,
1: uh, I was thinking more Venga boys, bit okay. of Sync, you know? Yeah.
0: Okay. Groovy. Beautiful. Now was John a happy accident or was that something you guys were seeking out and said, join the band because you can bring the heavy and he was okay with that? Or was it more of like a happy accident?
1: I think now I, I'll be honest. I've kind of forgotten because it just feels like he's part of the furniture now. I believe it went down something like, uh, John either wanted to collaborate with Charlie on something personal and then they just found that that working relationship worked. I believe it was something like that, John and Charlie. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, I think I'm sure it was a case of. Well, actually, I know we played with John and his his previous band multiple times, mm-hmm. so we we knew of John. It, it, he's always been around, and that's uh, yeah. It just naturally all fell into place. Really, they I think they did some writing just to see how it went, and then I believe actually that it might have been a. One of our guitarists couldn't turn up and John covered for a particular shift. And then it shift, like I'm talking kitchens again, Uh turned up, was like covered for a particular gig. And uh, it all just fell into place, really.
0: Well, now I know how you guys run your band. It's shift work.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on the nights tonight, as you can tell.
0: Mm -hmm. I noticed that you're on the night shift. Well, thank you for showing up for the night shift. I hope you're getting your shift differential
1: and it's working out for you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I've, I've got the premium. It's all good.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Now, uh, Dysfunctional Wonderland, lyrically, seems like I would be talking to the right guy, unless, of course, you all chip in for lyrics. But what is this record about? What did you guys set out to create, at least lyrically?
1: Okay, so lyrically, I'm quite fortunate in that. It is, it is kind of my baby. So that's that's the what I look after. I kind of have a very large amount of creative control in that factor. So previous albums like Sleepy Skeletal was more is written about uh, a song gives me a particular feeling. I link that feeling to a memory and that's the kind of thing that I would write about for that particular project with Sleepy, uh, sorry, with Dysfunctional Wonderland, the, it was a similar sort of process, but I suppose from my own, from my own personal life, what was going on, lots of ups and lots of downs. It kind of brought more attention to how, I was thinking about how other people process similar information but in different ways. Mm-hmm. So the whole album is generally based around that particular that well that particular meaning you could say. So the background of it is yeah there's still maybe particular things that have happened that that link that feeling to that memory but overall it's more more subjective around the human mind how if we were having a conversation and someone says something out like of the blue, your brain might process it different to my brain. And it's sort of the the different consequences that can come from that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're all linking to our own memories. Exactly that. Yeah. The rose-colored glasses of my own perception.
1: Yeah. And my big ego.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course it's number one on Spotify. I wrote it. Do, do you know who I am? You, yeah, do you, do you, <laughs> you, you're lucky to have my time right now. She's so. <laughs> kind of like I like <laughs> Kenneth Dopeland. Kenneth Dopeland, sweet. Yeah. So Gabe Z, we were, we were uh, preparing for this interview, and um, he wanted to hear the stuff. He often does. And he absolutely loved it. You're in his Spotify playlist or favorites or something now. He's definitely you know a fan. That's rad. Yeah. Fan. Thank you. You're quite welcome. Uh, fan for life kind of thing. And so, one of his favorite tracks that he heard was Kenneth Dopeland. So, do you have any questions in particular, you about Kenneth Dopeland? Uh, what was the guitar tone? It's very dotty. Oh, guitar tone. Did, did, oh.
1: Do you know anything about the guitars, Kip? I can tell you they're in drop F. Uh, they, they both use seven strings. And... Uh, I'm just trying to think racking my brain. So size setup, I could not even start to tell you about because he's got he's got about forty-five pedals laid out and they all do slightly different things. <laughs> and there's a bigger pedal that he presses that changes the other pedals and it's just pedalception. I can't deal with it. Yeah. I know John runs through a helix that gets a MIDI control from our laptop, so that would trigger particular changes in uh sort of effects and in, and instrumental sounds that he uses throughout the track autonomously yeah but i believe now he's also looking to bring that so he's almost got a mix of the both so if there is that particular venue that that sounds a little bit strange for that effect he can then actually manually go tweak something to to make it a bit a bit more suited mm-hmm. but yeah when it comes to guitars unfortunately that's that's where the buck ends with me
0: all right okay um because Kit does all the vocals, so actually a question that I have is, drop F. Is that because of your
1: vocal range? Uh, no, it, it was purely just uh, just a heavy. It, it was always just to do with the heavy, and I, I always almost not not by choice. I mean, by choice is probably the wrong term. Not by any other meanings. Then I prefer it this way. I like to have the completed track, mm-hmm. and I like to almost just get in my zone, sit there, dark room, headphones on, alone, and just like again, just hammer and hammer and hammer. And that's where I then know exactly what I can do with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I tend to play more to the track. It's it's not that the track sort of plays to me, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Okay. Kenneth Doplan, what's this track about? Can you share?
1: Yeah, of course. Cool. So it's it's similar to the, um, to the human mind thing I was saying about the whole sort of story around dysfunctional wonderland. It, I suppose this is more around, you could say, about how you can alter the way the brain works from Legal or illegal substances. I, I suppose we'll, we'll pop that there, mm-hmm. uh, and how how you can feel during that process. So the end bit, there's no escaping this. Could be you're stuck in a particular frame of mind whilst under that influence. It could be, and all the whole way through the thing, like just don't remember a thing. Sometimes you have them times when you just wake up and think, what the hell has happened? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just that's it's prob- more around just that general theme. Okay,
0: that's probably why there's like. All the
1: flashing images and all the flashing lights. Yeah, that. So actually, I, I was the one that made the video for that as well, uh, and it's just something that I wanted to. I wanted to have a bit of control over because I wanted to come that that to really come across in the video. I wanted to be every single scene I did. I use a different clip in the background, or everything is different. There's no. I, I don't believe there's many repetitions through that whole video at all. So it was more the the visual trigger of this is really weird because that's kind of the how the brain can function when, when you're trying to alter that state of mind. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, for... What's that, sweetie? Now, Drop F Guitars. Great. Because <laughs> I found the Thank- song as like a heavy metal, hardcore song.
1: Nice. You've got a good taste in music.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, beautiful. Drop F, not something that you hear every day. And I'm always kind of curious... Uh, you know, when bands are picking tunings, if, um, kind of when I've written songs in the past with other singers, uh, years ago, we took the vocal range into consideration and sometimes we ended up in tunings, uh, that we never would have thought of, but that's just kind of where, you know, the singer's range was. So when it comes to something, um, deliberately obnoxious, like drop F, I'm kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of curious, like <laughs> drop F, how did you end up there?
1: Uh, uh, that'll all be John. Yeah. All be John. I can guarantee it.
0: Cool. All right. I was going to ask a question. Oh, yeah. Tour dates. So in September, it looks like there are some tour dates. So why don't you go ahead and take us, Kit, through that. By the time this episode airs, that may have already happened or you might be in process of it. But either way, um, what does the tour look like for you guys in September?
1: So we, as you can imagine, we are we thrive off being a live band. It's something that we've, we've always gone out to be a live band. So the moment that we had an inkling that restrictions are going to start being lifted – we were we wanted to get on booking this as soon as possible because we just wanted to go out and, and see as many people as we could again. Now I appreciate it's a different world, so it's not you. You never know. That's the thing. But we just we just had to take the gamble on this and just go do it. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a tour based around the album that's coming out very shortly after our first day, which is Thursday the 9th of September, uh, starting in Bournemouth and then we do Bristol as well. Then there's literally just every single day where, when there's no breaks, we like to hammer it as we go and we can. And then we do in halfway through we do the HRH Goth Festival, which is similar. I don't know if you know about the Reading and Leeds Festival they do a lineup and then the next day the bands basically just swap locations. Okay so we're just we're doing that. We've got uh, London first, then Leeds, and that's we're up that way in the country. we then got Birmingham, back down to Brighton, Huddersfield, Edinburgh, Manchester and Bridgewater. Uh, we're literally just writing up the details now on our on our social medias, so you should see all that tour poster out shortly. If you want to get ticket links, it'll all be there, and it'll explain where the venues are, who we're going to be there with, and generally very excited. Fingers crossed that we can basically.
0: Hmm. Absolutely. Well, Godspeed to you there, and good luck and all that uh, jazz. I know the reopening here is. Probably going to lead to about another lockdown in like two weeks. But uh,
1: hopefully. I, I thought it was going to be the same in the UK, to be honest. And uh, so far, so far, no lockdown. Fingers crossed. I've probably jinxed it now. But
0: <laughs> all right, cool, sweet. Is there anything that we missed that we wanted to chat about? Is there anything management wanted us to, to check on? Now, for those listening in in the audience there, if you're listening Spotify, Apple Music, you're watching on the website, Podcast.ca, or on YouTube, uh, there will be links posted to all the available music videos. At the time, Dead, Kenneth Dopeland, Lucid Dream, Knock Off God. Uh, is there a video coming for Smile Thief?
1: There is not a video coming for Smile Thief, but there will be for the next single. Okay cool Sorry. it was just uh unfortunately it was just a timing issue with smile thief we were all we were quite busy at the time so just couldn't get one out but right. yeah the, the next one is i think the next one's probably one of my favorite tracks off this album from a, again from a personal perspective i think it just covers everything quite nicely
0: okay very cool uh we also chatted about uh tour dates in september guys are just going to go hammer it hard for a couple of weeks there um, and then also mentioned, Kit mentioned some social media stuff. So I have a link for the band's Facebook that's going to be in today's show notes, uh, where you should be able to find everything that you need. Is there, um, a main website or a link tree where people could have access to all of your socials or do they just maybe search Google for Seething Akira?
1: we, we, we part of the process of actually choosing the band name was to choose something that we're pretty confident no one else in this planet is going to pick. So, uh, yeah, just Google it, your, whatever your preference of social media is. I'm confident we'll be there. Just just type it in that search bar and, and come say hello.
0: Okay. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. Wow. Kit, is there anything that I missed? Uh,
1: other than what what a privilege it is to be here again. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: No, Rad. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, just just come listen, please. I need your naught point naught 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 three pence's off of Spotify. So if you can listen, that'll be great. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks to this little man right here, you might be able to refill your water.
1: Ah oh, yes. <laughs> it's been many years. That's right. <laughs> yep,
0: giving uh Kenneth Dope uh probably twelve billion trillion out of ten.
1: Well. That's probably the best review we've ever had, and I'm going to make sure that's that's put up somewhere on a plaque on my wall, I think. <laughs>
0: Perfect. I like my oval ratings.
1: All right. <laughs>